Hello, loves. Just a quick heads up to let you know that one, Tarot for the Wild Soul course is officially closing enrollment on Monday, March 20th. So if you're interested in it, if you want to learn more about it, if you want to go on a deep dive into the bones of Soul Tarot and so much more, really learning how to live your relationship with these cards, you can learn more about that at the link in my show notes. And number two, just a gentle reminder that enrollment for the 2023 spring edition of Spiralic Tarot is indeed open for a moment, will be open for enrollment for just a little bit longer, but all of the content for that offering is going to also drop on Monday, March 20th. So it'll be there right in time for our transit into Aries season. So you can fully know all the medicine that you're working with in the spring or fall season ahead, depending on what hemisphere you live in. Spiralic Tarot is a channeled offering by me that focuses on helpful anchor cards and tarot medicine that can be of greatest use to us in the season ahead. So it's basically a channel download for each season that we have in the year. And this one is for the spring. So participants who sign up for Spiralic Tarot will receive the following material. One, a channeled audio download on the entire spring season of the year and some of the most important tarot anchors for this season. We'll talk about emperor for Aries season, hierophant for Taurus season, lovers for Gemini season. There are channeled readings for each of those three astrological seasons. So you have one big channel for the entirety of the spring season, what we're being invited to pay attention to, the medicine of it, and then three little drops uh, for each particular season. There's an audio download on the gift of the wands inside of a chariot year. There are wild soul taroscopes for the spring season as a whole, and a mini workbook to help you to seal in the material with some really lovely prompts um, and different fun things to try to work with the season at hand. Um, and all of this for only 34 bucks. So to sign up for Spiralic Tarot, uh, you can click the link in the show notes to learn more or to sign up. Thank you. Bye-bye. Welcome to Tarot for the Wild Soul, a podcast that explores the tarot through an inclusive, soul-centered, trauma-informed perspective for growth, healing, and evolution. I'm your host, Lindsay Mack. Hello, loves, and welcome back to Tarot for the Wild Soul. It is such a joy and an honor to be gathered with you, as always. Thank you so much for being here with me. I hope that everyone made it through this. It was a week ago, but a um, week and a half ago now, but the full moon in Virgo was a no joke. Um, and Saturn moved into Pisces. And um, I didn't get a chance to talk about that last week. It's a huge thing, massive thing that Saturn has shifted into Pisces. Um, Saturn has been, was an Aquarius since March, 2020. So pretty much since the beginning of lockdown to about a week ago, Saturn was traveling through Aquarius, which is a sign of community. And because Saturn is so much about, um, in many ways, uh, reshifting the way it, it can be. Saturn is about often restrictions. It's about structure. It's about our responsibility. It's about kind of like what we take on, right? Like what we're doing. And 
There was obviously quite a bit that came up around how we interact with each other, all of our healing. There was a lot of trauma that came up and continues to for so many, especially folks um, who experience disabilities or have pre-existing conditions or who grapple with or are grappling with illness or sickness or um, folks, trans folks, folks of color. I could go again on and on, right? Saturn, the sign of structure, responsibilities, our soul's promise, essentially, like what we what we promised to do, the things that we have to stay true to, will be transiting through Pisces for about three years. Now, my friend Jeff Hinshaw, who I was just on Jeff's podcast, um, and we had such a delightful conversation about moon energy and Virgo and all manner of things. And so postpartum, so if you're interested, you can check out their podcast, Cosmic Cousins, because it was such a lovely conversation. But my friend Jeff Henshaw just has a great way of describing Saturn and Pisces, which he, they liken it to um, Saturn helping us to bring about necessary steps around our mental, physical, and emotional well-being. Like the things that we might have been putting off for a very long time related to the way we take care of ourselves. Now, obviously, self-care in an environment where all of us are being worked into the ground pretty much unless we have the privilege not to be um, and are exhausted, and especially those of us who are parents and who are juggling that, Um I see you and like, there's, there's just a lot that's asked of these bodies. And I know the economy is so terrible for so many. And like, there might be not even like two seconds basically to take some time for yourself. So know that self-care means whatever you want it to mean. And it doesn't need to look like some performative thing. And it doesn't need to look like something that doesn't feel truly like you and like yours, you know, gets to be what what you need it to be and what you want it to be. Um, I think to echo Jeff that Saturn and Pisces is more about self-tending from that perspective, self-tending from like, what do I need for my thriving, for my like survival? Absolutely. But like, what do I need for all of those pieces within me to continue to feel good and secure and safe? Um, Pisces is also a sign that hangs out in the realms of poetry and music and play. It's very swirly. Saturn is very linear. So how do we marry those two, structure and flow? That's what we're asking ourselves about. And most likely for the next three years, we might be experiencing just more confusion in general, not quite knowing what to do, not quite knowing when to do it, like a little bit less sure on our feet, which makes sense. It matches kind of the times that we're in. Like there's so much change. There's so much that chariot is clearing out in 2023 because we're in a chariot year. Um, but with chariot, a very telltale part of it is that like, we don't know what the new thing looks like. Like when we're in utero, we don't know what we're being born into on the other side. It's like the ultimate leap of faith. So whether that's literal for you and, or whether that's like more metaphoric for you, um, the swirliness 
of the time really marks and is probably going to mark the next three or so years. Um, I find it really useful to think about the world married with the moon card. So there's, and we, I, I reflect on that because the world is ruled by Saturn in the major, in the major arcana and the moon is ruled by Pisces again in the golden dawn ordering. So what we have here is we have the world always marks an ending and a completion of sorts as does Pisces. So this is very much a time of endings and completions and Saturn does have a way of being particularly brutal when it comes to being like, no, this is done. This is over. And our job is to figure out what feels like it's sustainable, right? On the other side. And we might not know the answer to that. And it might be really intense or very scary. The key and the medicine to that is to just be present and to just do the best that you can here today. And to really just be with what wants your attention, because that's the only way to move through a time like that. And what we also, the moon card is, represents the same kind of sort of parallel, but the same kind of idea. Moon is floating in a sea in a full moon. We don't quite know, like, is that a big you know, shark coming toward us. Is that a wave? Is it okay? Like it's the, the fear of what's underneath and the moon has the, um, uncanny ability to take us very far underneath the surface. And because of the Piscean like wateriness of it, the mutable wateriness of it, a lot of the time when we're in Pisces energy, moon energy, it's a very ripe space for echoes. So one very telltale sign that we're going through some sort of moon cycle is, fuck, I'm back here, quote unquote, like I'm back in this. When, And it takes a lot of, a lot of practice to be able to say, we're not, we're not. Even if the same thing in theory is going on, I am different. I am not who I was when I went through this three months ago, three years ago, 30 years ago. I am I'm here now. Circumstances are different. What is different and what in those resources can I like touch into and open to and allow to flow through me? Like how can I be with that essentially? So all of those pieces all of those pieces have to do with um, working with the moon, working with Pisces and Saturn and Pisces. Essentially, the world card and Saturn are here to help to clear out some of the terror of the unknown, in my opinion. They're, help, they're here to help to lift and amplify and clear away some of those echoes. They're here to provide inside of the confusion, paradoxically, some clarity. That's like, this is not the same. This is not what it was. And it's, it's okay. You know? So all of that to say that Saturn and Pisces is a big deal. It's very powerful. We're all moving through it together. 
We have a massive shift coming up next week. Pluto's moving into Aquarius just for a few months for basically all of our fire season of the year for Aries, Taurus, and Gemini season. And then it sort of moves back into uh, Capricorn for a little bit, and then it'll actually station in Aquarius and keep going. So there's a lot going on here, but I, inside of this kind of Saturnian shift, I just want to remind everyone to be incredibly gentle with your nervous systems. I know that depending on what's going on in your life, it can feel like, oh, we don't have time or we can't. And even if it's just very simple, you know, giving ourselves that space for just a little bit more spaciousness can, you know, space for spaciousness, uh, offering ourselves whatever practice, whatever tools we need to help create just a touch more space around us, if that's what we need, um, can just mean so much when it comes to us tuning in with that soul knowing, not making decisions or making plans before we sort of know the next step. Um, so yeah, whatever that means to you, I hope that you're able to meet yourself there with a lot of grace and compassion because it's pretty intense. I feel like I've been saying that nonstop, but it's true. These are very intense times that we live in. So our anchor card for this week, week of March 16th is eight of cups, eight of cups, eight of cups marks a sea change. We are in a time revving up to a time of huge change, big, big shifts. What worked now doesn't. There are just changes that are coming, some opportunities and some invitations to walk away and move away, perhaps from something we've spent a tremendous amount of resources and energy on that might be very painful. It might bring us into a huge space of wonder or worry, like what do we do? It's the right thing. Eight of cups, if we broaden it, if we if we back away from it a little bit and we look really closely at sort of what it's doing in a larger sense, because that's so hard to see when you're in it. Eight of Cups is always, no matter how brutal the ending or how brutal or painful the completion or how challenging it might be to navigate, because that's sometimes they are, it's leading us to somewhere better on the other side. Now, that doesn't mean that what we're leaving, like, it didn't work or, oh, that was shitty or like we're, we're placing value on it. Like, oh, this is worse and this is better. Eight of cups is a lightening of the load. It is a lightening and a brightening of our spirit. It lets us know these are too many cups to be holding. None of them are quite meant for where you're going. None of them are quite it, right? It's, very similar, and, and there's a beautiful um, union between the Eight of Cups and the Seven of Cups. The Seven of Cups is a time that provides the platform to have us realize that we have to make a change in Eight of Cups, because with the Seven, what happens is we have many cups in front of us, and none of them are quite the right one. But we may feel like, well, I have to make a decision, and I have to go, I have to do it. 
And seven of cups, any seven that we work with is an opportunity to kind of go, ooh, I'm feeling like this can be solved with an external action. What actually needs to be done is I need to look internally. I need to move closer to myself to be able to say, okay, what's working here? What's not working here? And and why do I want to move so quickly when none of these are quite it? So once we move past that, we do get clarity that none of these wands are quite totally where we want to go. Not completely. They're not completely where we want to go with our time, with our energy, and with our efforts, right? So that leads us to the eight again. And the eight is, it it is a strong and powerful, like the analogy I've always you know, is like if you have a bakery and if your bakery is, you're maybe struggling, struggling so hard, you're having to work constantly and it's, you put all this love into your business or into this relationship or into the, like whatever you love it. It doesn't mean that you don't love it. It means that the way in which we've been approaching it, the way in which we've been going about it is not sustainable. So now what? That's the question. Now what? Now what do we do? This week, there's a lot going on. We're preparing to shift out of Pisces season into Aries season early next week, early-ish. That's humongous because energetically, what that's doing is it's closing the door on the past year. We move into like 2023 is a chariot year, you know, but because we're not quite in Aries season yet and Capricorn, Aquarius and Pisces energy is very much about like wrapping things up, making it very clear, like what's complete, what's, what's dying, what's like not coming with us into the new flow of our lives. Um, all of that, all of it has to do with letting us like making us aware essentially So while 2023 started in the whatever Gregorian calendar on January 1st, we've sort of been like middling because we're not in Aries season yet. The new astrological cycle hasn't started. And in my opinion, there's a little bit of swirliness that happens before we're in that, right? A day after the equinox, we have a new moon in Aries. And two days after that, Pluto moves into Aquarius. We are, Pluto is all about excavation. It's all about realizations. It's, it's judgment energy. It's like just the awareness is here. Like I, these things are changing. I'm changing. Things have to change to match that. Okay. So they do. Sometimes that can be scary. It can be horrifying, terrifying to realize like, oh my God, what am I going to do? I don't want to lighten, make, make light of that. What all of this is telling us, though, is that there is something else on the other side that is better, that is brighter, that works for us. It doesn't mean that it won't be fraught with doubt, fraught with worry, fraught with like, oh my God, what does this mean? Grief, like the, the letting go process it might be joyful. It might be scary. You know, it, it will likely feel different for all of us. What we are being invited to do this week, 
is not necessarily make a massive change like right here, right now. It's the waking up to. It's the realization around, right? We're we're becoming more and more aware. And I think all of us are doing this. Whether this is around again, like, you know, our childcare situation, our jobs, our relationships, our our habits, whatever. There are just certain things that are unsustainable or that want to be rebirthed in us. And we need a new framework and a new container to support that. So this week, we're invited to dance with this energy. And this energy is going to be with us as we move into Aries season. It's going to be with us as we move into a new moon in Aries. It's going to help us inside of all of the clearing energy to be very open to the rebirth, to be open to the birthing, to be open to the new. That's the key. That's the key. That's what our next stage and our next step is. So our anchor, our helpful anchor that can assist us in working with this energy is the emperor reversed. So emperor reversed is essentially a way of inviting us to consider what and how we root into safety. Change is very intense changes very, you know, um, so how, what are our relationship to the fours? Like what four in the tarot emperors connected to the number fours? So that's why I'm calling in the minor fours here. What four in the tarot is wanting our attention most right now? Like what is calling out to us? What is, what is longing for us to work with it? And how can we get close to all of these fours so that there can be way more spaciousness, way more rooting, way more um, self-tending inside of some pretty huge realizations, most likely about certain things that were just outgrowing and need to be shifted. The other piece about Emperor Reversed is that we are also being called to sense into where we might be experiencing resistance around potentially the bigness of the expansion around the next thing that wants to come through us. Very often in my life, if there's been something that's been like, whoa, like a big expansion that wants to come up and come through, it scares me because it's big, it's unknown, like my brain wants to protect me and we'll be like, no, 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 you know? Um, so all of that to say, like, we want to think about that too. You know, sometimes Ember can come up and it can be like, hey, be aware of the space you take up in a room. Well, that might be true for certain folks listening to this or for me or whatever, I'll certainly be aware of that, you know, and, and check myself on it. That's not really what I'm getting in my heart. What I'm getting in my gut and in my heart is that this is really about how are we a little afraid to, to let ourselves surrender more. 
because emperor is very much about being of service. Like the times when I've been called to move into emperor energy is like, I'm a little nervous, <laughs> you know, I get a little scared. It's like, whoa, it's a lot of people, you know, and for some people it might be three people, but like, that's a lot of people, you know, or a different set of responsibilities or a different, like part, a, a different, um, more freedom. You know, it could, it could just like literally be more freedom is, is needed and desired here. Right. So all of that to say, that's a really, really big part of this next week and emperor reversed. There's a little bit of medicine on kind of how to like work with it. So hopefully that, that helps. And I'll be very interested for myself to see kind of how this shows up in my own life and how I continue to work with these energies. I definitely feel them. And because of the Saturn and Piscesness, I don't really know what to make of them right now. So I think waiting is just key, you know. So that's your medicine for the next week. And now we're going to move on to our listener question. This is from Caitlin. Caitlin asks, hello, Lindsay. I'm a newer listener, but I really enjoy your take on tarot and have learned so much already. Thank you. I listened to your podcast during my work commute. I thought perhaps the thing I'm struggling with may be what something you could relate to or share wisdom on. I have a bad habit of doubting my intuition. I've been on my journey with tarot for about three years now, but I still wrestle with imposter syndrome anytime I try to read for someone else. Part of the reason that I feel this way, I think, is because I don't have a daily practice. I simply don't have a lot of time right now. I have two children, I work full time, and I'm in graduate school to become a therapist. You're amazing, Caitlin. Um, what advice would you give someone like give for someone like me? Um, I love you for asking this question. Um, because I think you're bringing voice to something that I feel still all the time <laughs> and what I know a lot of people feel. So what I, there's, there's a two pronged piece I'd like to speak to. One of them is the nature of doubting intuition and whatever I could speak to around that. And the second is daily practice. So doubting our intuition. I'm, I'm doing an offering on this really soon, um, because it's demanding to be spoken about. I don't know how the offering will present itself, but I'm sure I'll tell you all about it when it's, when it comes. Um, and it's specifically around like, it's an intuition course, but it's or offering, but it's specifically around what you're talking about, which is just this persistent default that I think everyone has that we don't, trust that knowing, the knowing within us that is that deep cord of wisdom. And the reason for that is really understandable and valid. And it's because we have this, we have many parts of the brain, obviously, but it's because we have this part of our brain that, um, if we've experienced trauma or if there's a lot going on, or if there's some survival stuff happening, that survival piece of the brain, for lack of a better way of putting it, is loud. And if we're we're worried about our 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 thriving and our survival, like there's no way to override that. Like we can do practices, we can pull ourselves back into rest and digest. But the bottom line is that intuition is already a whisper. 
And if the mind is particularly loud, and that's not our fault, if that's the case, some of us have really loud brains. Let's normalize that rather than believing that somehow we have to like quiet the mind to be powerful intuitives. I have pure O, I have a panic disorder. I have, I have full blown PTSD and I am an intuitive. And it's because part of the way I learned through my teacher, Michelle, to tune in with my knowing was to take the brain with me. So the doubt is the brain's way of attempting to protect us from something that is inherently, intuition is inherently mysterious. It's inherently spiralic. Intuition takes us into real scary places because there, there's no illusion of safety there. There's no, which isn't to say like, we can make plans. We should make plans. We should be, we should be making like the most responsible choices for ourselves, our well-being, our family, all that to say. With that being said, though, even inside of that, even when we've made those choices, we're still gonna be called in this life to leap. And we will have an absolutely unquestionable sense of like, I have to do it. And yet, like, what what can we, like, we can't deny it. And yet there's no guarantee. So I wanna let you know that you are a part of a very rich family, a very rich collective of people who experience doubt around their intuition. In fact, I would say everyone does. Not everyone talks about it, but everyone does. Everyone. (laughs) So you're not alone. You don't have a bad habit. It's you have a mind, you have a brain. Like it makes total sense. I just gave a reading. Um, I'm thinking about going back to readings a little bit. I miss them. I know I was like, I will never give readings again. I was a little burned out on it, but I miss them. Does would anyone want to get readings with me? I'm just calling out to the void there. Um, I don't even know if there's a desire for it. Um, I might do a little wait list and just like get a to take the temperature on it, but um I miss being able to like connect with people in a deep way. So um Anyway, I gave a reading to someone that I met um, in a social context, and I I never do it, so it felt a bit rusty, but it was really lovely to connect and sweet. The reading was very clear, and but I still had imposter syndrome. I always do. I'm still like, well, someone's going to think I suck, because people have thought that my readings suck. Like, I, if, every reader isn't for everybody. Those things are hard to be with. They're hard to contend with. What I can tell you, and I'm going to try to say this as delicately and diplomatically as possible. The people that I have met, whom should have perhaps some reservations, some pause around what they're saying to people in an intuitive context, don't experience as much doubt as you're talking about. And it's not to say that if folks are very clear, very confident, very proud in what they say, and they've sort of just been like, you know, I'm not going to entertain that. Like, that's not what I'm talking about. There's something that I think I've gotten to where as much as I think like, oh, because my brain tells me all the time, like, you're not a real intuitive, you're not whatever, like all the time. Um, 
and I, I am, and I, I know that, you know, and there are certain gifts and skills that aren't my gifts and skills, but I feel also very confident and clear about what I do. Um, what I'm going to say though, is that there are some people who are just like, I know what I know. And if you don't like it, you know, you can fuck off basically. And that's, that's not what we're going for. You know, the invitation into doubt is something that everyone experiences. You don't have to take the invitation. You don't have to take it. You can notice it. it takes practice, tremendous practice. It's a part of the soul spiral. It just is, is, is noticing the mind and just being like, okay, that's here. And where Lindsay said, that's like completely normal and actually probably is a signal that my intuition is way more powerful than I'm even imagining because again, intuition is pretty nervous or the mind gets really shaky around, um, power, you know, cause it wants, it wants to keep us for lack of a better way of putting it like safe and in the familiar and the intuition, our intuition is not familiar, you know, it is and it isn't. So you're not alone in doubting your intuition. I wonder if you could try to notice the doubt rather than believe it or buy into it. Um, having imposter syndrome when you read for another person, I, I, I'm sorry to say it is normal. I still experience it too. So I share that with you so you don't feel alone in it. It's just not something that needs to stop you. Like imposter syndrome can just come with you. And I, I feel like it makes me, you know, sometimes it like rears up and it really like makes a mess of things for me. But most of the time it keeps me like pretty humble actually. And like, I don't know everything. <laughs> like I'm, that's not my job, you know? So, um, yeah, I just want to normalize, normalize, normalize that. I do, you know, and just say that it's usually re related to the mind, trying to keep us safe. But what kind of winds up happening is that there's an attempt to separate from us from that core of power. There are also other really valid reasons for that. It's not safe for people now, today, to be rooted to their practices and intuition, depending on where they live or their family structure, how they're, you know, what, what the community around them is like. And for many of us, we, if you believe in past lives and if you believe in, in, in memory and cellular memory held in the body, all of us have experienced, you know, death or violence in this lifetime or in past lifetimes because of any number of different things that are rooted and related to intuition. I know I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but um, my really good friend and teacher, Julia Inglis, uh, who is the uh, founder of Sacred Familiar, when she was teaching a doll-making class that um, I've taken, um, I've learned how to needle felt with her and make uh, what she calls like spirit dolls. But she talks about how there was a time when you could not have a doll. You couldn't carry a doll. Like the fact that we can carry dolls, make dolls, talk about them is a, is a radical act 
of healing for our ancestors. So doubt and intuition is not a simple matter. There's protective aspects there. There's attempts to protect in ways that are not really very useful, to be honest. We can notice them and just not take the invitations. Easier said than done. Just know you're not alone in it. it it's not um, something that is, it's not something to stop you. It's something that will be there, you know, as you continue to grow and as you continue to build muscle and, and do this work. Um, daily practice. I don't have a daily practice right now. You know, um, when I need it, when I can remember before I get up with my daughter, um, if she's awake and I wake up and prep things to go get her and bring her down and serve her breakfast, we eat together. I will sometimes put my feet on the floor, pray and pull a card. And sometimes I need that before I, I start my day with my daughter. Sometimes I need that moment. That's feeling pretty good for me right now. <laughs> so if you want to weave in a daily practice for yourself, you have two kids, you're working full time, you're in grad school, like unbelievable, my hero, <laughs> you know? Um, and I want to just say like, have a practice that suits you where you are. So you have a commute. What might it be to pack a deck in your car and just pull an anchor before you get out to work and be like, what wants to come with me today? It's as simple as that. Take a photo of it so you don't forget or write it down in your notes app so you don't forget. And then through the day, think about it, talk about it, like, like write about it, you know, on your break or whatever. Like I'm sure you don't have a lot of time for that, but a daily practice should meet us where we are. So that's one of the biggest pieces that I want to, to say to you. I Only you can know whether a daily practice will sort of um, um, blow some air like in a good way, um, will expand and lift your confidence, right? But what I want to say is that I'm thinking that these things might be might be what you're talking about, but might be something different where it seems like how you could benefit from a daily practice is to pull upon and draw upon anchors that can be with you no matter what you're going through. Like to, to actually like have something that can, that can, that can be here with you so that you're, you're not going through this wild day without something, without some connection to tarot. I also find that when I weave in anchors through the day, like when it's really simple for me, what winds up happening is that there can be an expansion around, um, I stay more tethered to the cards, I think when I pull inside of what's going on now, rather than just like, I go to my altar and I pull like, but I think that's different for everyone. And hopefully that makes sense. Know that you're not alone in any of this. I can't um, thank you enough for honoring me with your question and feel free to write me and update me on, on um, how this landed with you. I always love hearing from y'all. If you write me back with your, with your feedback, it was, it's always really nice to, to have that reflection, whether it means that 
I need to be more clear with something or whether it resonated with you. So, um, yeah, I hope this helps Caitlin. Thank you again. Um, I love all of you. Thanks for being here. Always so grateful to be gathered with all of you. And until we connect again next week, please take exquisite care of yourselves.